Hello and welcome to the C21 podcast. My name's Jonathan Webdale. We hope you're well and safe wherever you are right now. If you heard yesterday's show, you'll know we're going to be paying special attention to the ongoing coronavirus pandemic in upcoming episodes, trying to talk to as many of you as possible involved in all aspects of the international TV industry, finding out how broadcasters, streamers, producers, distributors, writers and more are adapting to the present environment. We'd like to hear your story, no matter where you are or which part of the business you're from. So do get in touch with us via email using the address press at c21media.net or send us a message on Twitter and one of our journalists will come back to you. Hopefully by sharing all these experiences and knowledge, we can do our bit to help the industry and those that populate it get through what's clearly going to be very challenging times ahead for everyone. That address again, press at c21media.net. Now, on to today's show. US public broadcaster PBS, which reaches 126 million US citizens through television and 26 million online, earlier this week unveiled a shake-up of its schedule to make way for a series of coronavirus-themed shows as part of its efforts to help keep the public informed and educated about the latest developments. The Arlington, Virginia-based podcaster commissions and acquires for a slate-spanning documentary, children's and drama, and is a long-standing co-production partner in the latter category to the likes of the UK's BBC and ITV. I spoke with Perry Simon, PBS Chief Programming Executive and General Manager for General Audience Programming, and I started off by asking him how the company has reorganised itself in response to the pandemic. So as of this past Monday, the beginning of this week, we began teleworking uh, throughout the entire um, PBS uh, central organization. So uh, the Arlington headquarters is now only staffed by essential um, essential employees to kind of keep the, the broadcast uh, signals on the air, etc. And all the rest of us are working from home. The scale of the organization is uh, is probably at the 400 range, and the majority, the vast majority of us, are now working from uh, from home. And how how's that working out for you operationally? That that's a, a pretty sizable operation you've got to reorganize there. It, it is a, a big change. We did a test last week where we took one day to uh, fire up all of the different video conferencing protocols and and put in a bunch of different communications um, plans so that we were preparing for this. And uh, I can honestly tell you it's working um, remarkably well. It's starting to make me wonder how it's going to change things going into the future uh, in the sense of um, you c- the, the video conferencing technology now is quite effective. And, um, you know, I've just been in back-to-back meetings, literally, uh, going from video conference to video conference. I had my big staff meeting yesterday, which was upwards of 90 people, all on video conference together. And uh, it, worked, it worked quite well. That said, there's really no substitute for face-to-face meetings. But uh, I think this is, under the circumstances, it's, it's going um, quite, quite well. You've made some immediate changes to your schedule as well on air. You, you announced those earlier this week. Can you tell us what you've, you've done there? Yes. So uh, we wanted to be as responsive as we could, as quickly as we could. 
particularly given our role as a public broadcaster and, and the importance of of delivering uh, you know a steady stream of, of information to our audience. So um, tonight we are presenting a um, a news hour special PBS news hour special called Confronting Coronavirus, uh, and that is going to be a kind of a national town hall um, format where we um, disseminate information and engage in conversation with a number of experts as well as as citizens about the experience uh, and then that will be followed by a rebroadcast of a documentary that we did uh, a couple of years ago that was at the time focused on zika and ebola but uh, is now actually quite relevant to the way that the coronavirus pandemic is spreading in addition uh, our our um, investigative reporting series Frontline is uh, rapidly putting together and working on a, um, an original episode um, called about the coronavirus pandemic that will air in, uh, in mid-April. And uh, it's going to look at the pandemic through the eyes of how federal government, state governments, uh, communities are responding to it and really kind of look under the hood of what's been going on and, and um, you know, what's been working and, and what hasn't. Uh, and then we are also doing a, a number of other things, as you might have read about. Um, we actually had a, a very highly publicized and successful uh, uh, event over the weekend where we took um, uh, the series Baseball, which was a multi-part documentary series done by Ken Burns uh, and and made it available uh, very quickly on our um, digital platforms for free. We put it up over the weekend as soon as we heard the news that the baseball season was uh, was being delayed. Ken Burns went out personally and, and uh, recorded messages to the public about why he thought this was so important for all Americans and particularly baseball fans to have a chance in, in the absence of the beginning of the new season to revisit the history of the sport and, and kind of all enjoy it together as fans. Uh, and we are looking at a number of other programs that we're right in the midst of um, preparing for both broadcast and digital distribution uh, to, um, to kind of, you know, fill the gaps of um, things that, that we think can, can be relevant to people and also um, give them a respite from the relentless news cycle. So what it means, Jonathan, is that we're really trying to kind of create a balance here between um, you know, fulfilling our obligation as a public broadcaster to, um, to give a very steady stream of um, information and resources that are relevant to the spread of the virus but also to give um, a wide assortment of other kinds of programs. And, and by the way, we're also being equally active on the kids front, on the uh, PBS learning media front, which is how we engage with schools, because obviously, as you mentioned, there are massive disruptions to the um, child population here in the US and around the world and school schedules and we're such an essential part of uh, of the way that, that 
kids learn and, and consume media here in the U.S. So there are a, a number of um, initiatives being taken um, both at the national level and the local level to um, work with schools, um, to make um, more kids' content available um, for, for as wide an audience as possible during, during this period. So that's a, another focus. Um, you know, and then the, the other thing I will just mention, because it's so crucial and kind of unique to PBS, is our stations, right? I mean, the, what really sets PBS apart uh, as a media outlet is our local stations. And at a time like this, we're working really closely with the local stations to engage in their communities. We're really the only media platform that engages on that community level. So a lot of local programming, um, working with them to activate their extensive community networks, and just to be responsible on the community uh, and responsive, just to be responsive on the community level um, is something that I think is unique to PBS. And, and this is a, a, a key part of our initiatives. You obviously have extensive relationships with other broadcasters, production companies from around the world as well. I mean, if we can sort of talk through the genres that you're across beyond kids, documentaries, drama, yeah. obviously with, with masterpiece as well. How is your commissioning co-production and, and acquisitions strategy adapting now? Uh, in the face of uh, the present well, crisis? Well, it, you know, we're learning almost on an hourly basis of um, new developments that are creating potential disruptions to the, um, to the flow of programming. Um, you mentioned masterpiece dramas, the majority of which for us come from the UK. And we've um, been getting signals that a you know, number of those shows are, are encountering production disruptions. So we're trying to rearrange our broadcast schedule in anticipation of that to potentially bring back uh, some classic dramas to make them available both for broadcast and, and for digital consumption. Uh, we're doing a sa the same thing with a lot of our arts programming. Um, and um, yeah, Ken Burns, I mentioned, I'm talking to Ken about some of his classic pieces. So. We're, we're trying to keep as much uh, original programming in the pipeline as we can. Of course, you know, all of our science programming and nature, natural history programming, uh, I mean, it runs the gamut. You mentioned documentaries, but we do, we're realistic that, that over time, uh, if this continues as long as we expect it to continue, we're going to have to start coping with, with a lot of disruptions. And so we're, we've started creating essentially a shadow schedule that um, will reflect programming that will bring on to the schedule as other things start to fall away. And what does that mean exactly, a shadow schedule? Are we talking about more repeats? Does it, does it mean more acquisitions? It, it would be a combination of acquisitions and archival content and perhaps repackaging content. Uh, it's, it's just all the variations of how you respond to a scheduled disruption when, when the things that you were counting on delivering don't deliver. And we're trying to be creative in that, uh, creating thematic um, uh, programming, you know, and, and um, finding ways to create new relationships between what we do on digital 
and, and how that uh, interfaces with what we do on broadcast, which is frankly a, a, an opportunity in some ways to, to do some learnings and try some new things. Uh, so we're, we're really looking at all the, the possible ways to, to respond here. I mean, like I'll give you an example of one specific example. We have a, a very large initiative that we just uh, launched in, about a month ago called American Portrait. And American Portrait is a multi-platform initiative that asks the question, what does it mean to be an American today? And it's uh, the, the thrust of it is user-generated content. We created a whole um, um, platform uh, to um, invite Americans to share their stories. And then we're doing a number of, of broadcast and digital programs around that. And there's a ton of engagement uh, at the station level. So American Portrait has now started to pivot to respond to the coronavirus um, crisis. And we're already hearing from stations like one of our stations in Cookville, Tennessee, who's using the American Portrait platform as a way for their community to share stories with each other about uh, how they're coping with the crisis. And it's just, a, I think, a wonderful example of how PBS can be responsive to a crisis like this on both the national and local level when you have something like an American Portrait that can now become an essential part of ways that the communities can engage with each other as they go through this. Are there any concerns about uh, your funding moving forwards? PBS is a public broadcaster, is not funded um, by a license fee in the same way that the, the BBC is here in the UK. That license fees come under pressure, That's but uh, sure. the, the, the place of public... <laughs> The place of public broadcasters, um, particularly in a situation like this, would appear to be, you know, stronger than ever. However, so um, do you have any concerns about your your funding moving forwards, and or does does the present situation merely strengthen the case for a strong public broadcasting ecosystem in every country? Yeah, I think that in our case, uh, what we're delivering to the public is going to only um, reinforce the, the value of the service that we provide. And I think will in the long term, uh, create even more support for us. But in the short term, like every, uh, every business entity, frankly, whether it be media or anything else, uh, we are concerned. We're concerned of, of you know, what the implications of this are gonna be. It's, it's very unpredictable. We're trying to anticipate and plan carefully, but uh, at this point, we think that um, you know we have a, a mission and, a, and an obligation to provide all the services that, that the public relies on us for, and, and we're going to do it. We will deliver it. I guess if there's uh, any positives to be taken from this situation, as, as far as the TV industry is concerned, viewership is presumably on the up. You reach 126 million people, I believe, on, on TV, 26 million through the internet. What are the numbers that you're seeing as a result of the uh, of everyone being in their homes? Yeah, we haven't gotten a, a, a ton of, of ratings research back yet, but I, I think it's safe to assume that numbers will be going up for everybody. Uh, I think particularly in our case, as I've mentioned, the kids programming, which uh, I, I'm, I'm certain will will get a spike. Uh, I think our general audience programming, 
uh, on broadcast, uh, we'll, we'll see increased numbers. I, I'm particularly interested in, in seeing how the digital audience responds. You know, we also have a PBS Digital Studios, which creates original content for um, uh, the, the online audience. And we've already seen big spikes in that content, including some specific programming that we've um, put together in response to the, the crisis. Uh, so, and then I mentioned things like, you know, the Ken Burns baseball and other content that we're making available online. So I think that when you look across all of the platforms, uh, the PBS app and the PBS passport in terms of digital, the broadcast, the kids, the learning media, um, the digital studios, original content, uh, you're, you're, you're going to see, I think, increased use and reliance for all of those. Finally, the TV business has become increasingly international in recent years. You've you've moved into acquiring, uh, co-producing, I think, even non-English language yeah. uh, series as well. Obviously, countries are, are closing down borders right now for very obvious reasons. Do you think television can continue to transcend that? Are you still open to working with international partners and and if so you know what are the sorts of things that you would like them to bring you well i think uh working with international partners is going to become more important than ever because uh i think certainly in the in the near term there are going to be so many disruptions that we're going to need to look to each other to what content we can provide each other that that bears relevance to our, our respective audiences. Um, we have been in touch, frankly, with a, a number of um, partners in the UK as to what they're working on, what they have in the can, what they're finishing editing on, recognizing that a lot of the original production is going to be disrupted. Uh, so I think there's actually more dialogue between um, various international co-producers than there ever has been, and I, I expect that to continue. Perry Simon, PBS Chief Programming Executive and General Manager for General Audience Programming, talking with me yesterday. Remember, if you're in the international TV industry and you have a story to share about how you're getting through the pandemic, we'd love to hear from you. Maybe you're a platform looking to acquire specific kinds of programs as production dries up, a union rep trying to get the word out there about the kind of help your members need, showrunners or writers with advice on how to stay focused on development in the midst of this unprecedented crisis. Either way, email us using the address press at c21media.net or message us at c21media on Twitter. That's all for this episode. Until the next, stay safe and stay up to date with all the latest developments by following C21 online, on mobile and social media. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 